This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at the BatmanUniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hi, I'm Pat Jerkins, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Hi, this is Denny Hello everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 251. I am your host Dustin and today I have with me... This is Ed. This is Steph. We are bringing the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of June 3rd through June 16th. We have a total of two books as usual to cover, a little bit of comic news, and we have a ton of listener comments to get through because I promised that we would get through them this episode. So, let's dive straight into the news. First up, over the past couple weeks there hasn't been a ton of news as solicitations are out as you're listening to this, but not out where we're talking about them. Uh, But first, big news that happened outside of some new episodes of DC All Access talking about comics and last week in the Batcave. First big news was that on June 11th, it was announced that Jeff Johns' role at DC Comics and Warner Brothers is changing and he is transitioning out of his role of president and CCO of DC Entertainment, and he's going to start focusing on more creative projects with the company. He created his own production company called Mad Ghost Productions, and what that means when it comes to the comics, however, because a lot of that stuff has to do with the films and things like that, but what that means to the comics is that he specifically stated that he's going to get his own pop-up imprint, which is called The Killing Zone, which will focus on new and more obscure DC characters. Also one of the projects that was announced outside of continuing Doomsday and a upcoming Shazam ongoing series was that they confirmed the long, long, long running rumor that has never been officially announced but has been talked about by multiple creators that both him and Jason Fabic is working on a Three Jokers series does not give a whole lot of details. It just said it was illustrated by the brilliant Jason Fabic. Three Jokers is a mystery unlike anything the Dark Knight has faced, one that will shed a new light on the Batman and those closest to him as everything he's ever believed about the Joker comes into question. Um, Also on the website, it also lists the long-awaited third volume of Batman Earth 1, which we knew was coming, but is clearly on hiatus, or not hiatus, but it's not coming until Doomsday Clock wraps up because Gary Frank will be drawing that as well. So he's moving on to do a lot more writing and stuff. He's also going to be overseeing the Green Lantern Corps film and a bunch of other stuff. He helped co-write Aquaman and the sequel for Wonder Woman and a ton of stuff in television as well. So honestly, I wouldn't say this is like a punishment for him. I mean, getting your own production company and a exclusive with Warner Brothers is not necessarily a bad thing. 
But confirming the three Jokers, it's it's happening. I'm guessing it's actually it's in the process of happening right now. I bet Jason Fabic is actually currently working on that. If you follow him on Twitter, he's occasionally posted some little hints at a something related to Batman. So I'm guessing he could be working on it. I don't know that we're going to see this before the end of the year. But if we don't see it, I'm sure we'll see it in 2019. It's definitely not coming until at the very earliest October. Because all the other stuff that's you know coming before then has already been announced. So, three Jokers, are we looking forward to that or not? Well, I think we're definitely looking forward to it, but it's been a while since Rebirth now. So I wonder if the rest of the world has kind of forgot about it, you know? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, I definitely want to read that story, but, I mean, if it's good, but Jeff Johns typically doesn't write bad stuff. true. So he's not typically a bad writer. I I do think that it's kind of the comic fans gain from the misfortunes of Warner Brothers movies. Did the three Jokers reveal come right at the end of New 52? Yes, right at the end, Rebirth. and uh, at the beginning of Rebirth, there was a one-shot DC Universe Rebirth number one, and there was three Jokers that appeared in the issue. It was more of Batman had a computer screen that showed three different versions three, of the yeah. Joker, and it was the question of, well, what is this? And it was clearly hinting at something. And they've given like small tidbits here and there about, like, oh, that's a project that's coming... It's Jeff Johns, like plenty of people have asked Scott Snyder and Tom King about it, and they have both said on record, well, that's Jeff Johns, he's doing that, that's not ours. And more recently, they've said that Jason Fabic is, you know, attached to that as well, but nobody officially ever announced it, including Johns or Fabic themselves, so, yeah. That'll be exciting. I think it'll be interesting one way or the other. Mm-hmm. I hope it does happen, or because I imagine it's not going to just be a one-shot. It's probably going to be at least a three- to six-issue miniseries, leaning more towards six, probably. But Jeff Johns writing Batman in normal continuity, we haven't really seen that, other than, you know, the occasional... Well, unless you consider him writing Batman in, like, Justice League and stuff like that, but just a straight Batman story. Yeah, but a straight Batman story. Well, you're assuming that's what this will be, too. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I guess I am assuming that, and I probably shouldn't, but if it is a singular Batman story, or even if it's a Batman-majority story, kind of like what we saw with Dark Knight's Metal, where it's very Batman-focused, but still DC and, you know, every all the other characters are involved in it, I still think that would be very interesting. There, and like I said, it's not that he has not written Batman. Obviously, he's done Batman Earth 1. That's not a continuity, though. And then, obviously, we also have the Justice League that he was on for a long time, which included Batman. But it's still, it, that, that's a team book, and you don't get as much focus. So I'll be interested to see what happens. All right, so next up, June 11th, the first wave of artists were revealed for DC Zoom and DC Inc. Basically... Originally, when they were first announced, both DC Zoom and DC Inc., they were planning on launching in the fall of this year. A lot of that got pushed back. The first one is actually now going to be releasing in April of 2019. So just running down what is actually happening, we have Super Sons The Polar Shield, which is coming out in April 2019, written by Ridley Pearson and illustrated by Il Gonzalez. We have DC Superhero Girls Spaced Out, May 2019, Written by Shea Fontana and illustrated by Agnes Garboska. Batman Overdrive, August 2019. Written by Shea Fontana and illustrated by Marcelo Di Chiara. Black Canary Ignite, October 2019. Written by Meg Cabot and illustrated by Kara McGee. Those are all of the DC Zoom titles. The DC Inc. titles are Mara Tidebreaker, 
April 2019, written by Danielle Page and illustrated by Stephen Byrne. Under the Moon, a Catwoman tale, May 2019, written by Lauren Miracle and illustrated by Isaac Goodhart. Harley Quinn Breaking Glass, June 2019, written by Mariko Tamaki and illustrated by Steve Pugh. Teen Titans Raven, 12, July 2019, written by Cami Garcia and illustrated by Gabrielle Piccola. Those are what you can expect. Not a whole lot of other details if you want to check out some of the art. There is some of the art for the Batman projects that is posted, some of the covers, just some other little hints at some of the art that you expect. So if you're interested in that, take a look over on the site. Next up, June 13th, finally, Tom King's next project was announced, and it's called Heroes in Crisis. Now, I have to to start off by saying DC did something kind of ridiculous when they announced this and said that the next crisis is happening. And they said, it's called Heroes in Crisis. So they're trying to hint at the idea of Infinite Earths and Identity Crisis and all the other crises, Final Crisis, all these crises that have happened in the past. And they chose to lead with the idea that it's that kind of crisis which I think confused some people because they're thinking it's this massive crossover event. And I don't and it's not. And I don't really think it is. It is a seven-issue miniseries that's going to debut in September, written by Tom King, and it is going to be featuring a lot of the stuff that we've been seeing in Batman, like the Booster Gold story, the Poison Ivy story. Something's going to be happening with Harley Quinn in the very near future because Harley Quinn is one of the main characters Clayman is actually going to be doing the art for the series, and we've seen him in the pages of Batman. First issue is coming on September 26th, and it'll be a monthly series that's going to be happening you know, over the course of the seven months. But he said that he's using real-world inspirations for the story. This is where the whole, everything related to the Sanctuary is, is happening. As it turns out, the Sanctuary is something that was created by Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman years ago. And conveniently, it, nobody just nobody was using it. And it turns out that there was something that happened at the sanctuary, and all the people who were previously at the sanctuary end up dead. So clearly, um, it, we're gonna we're about to see some Z-list characters get the axe, but it won't affect the characters like that are that we see are heading there. It's pr- it's previous patients of the sanctuary, or I don't know if they're called patients, but. Here in crisis, residents. Yeah, residents. That's probably a better way to put it. Here's my take on this. Uh, my two cents. I'm interested in seeing what this is. This feels like if you haven't read some of Tom King's other stuff, except for the Batman stuff, you know that he is a really talented writer. When he doesn't have, and I, and I say this, and I'm trying to figure out oh, the best way to say this. But basically, if you've read some of his other stuff, like Mister Miracle, or you've read the Omega Men, or you read his run on Vision, which I have not read myself, but I have heard really good things about. He has he, He's a very good writer who has extremely good talent. It's just the problem is that it feels like sometimes the Batman stuff we have issues with, and there are issues with it, and it might have something to do with the fact that it's twice per month, and it's just a very hectic schedule, and that's why. But some of the other ones that just come out monthly have been really, really good for and you haven't checked some of them out, I suggest you do just because you'll see what I'm talking about. But this feels like, especially with it being a DC Universe focus, where he basically, I mean, especially with the cover showing as many characters as it is, there's clearly the possibility that a ton of characters could show up in this series and it not just be a specific one character story. I think it could be really, really good. 
and the idea of what they're going to be focusing on and stuff it's really interesting to me the idea of like having these characters that face all kinds of trauma mental trauma that is like ptsd and potentially other issues i mean if we're going the route of harley quinn and she's not necessarily bad the way she's kind of been portrayed recently in the harley quinn series which seems like it's setting up that she has a multiple personalities disorder it seems like it's going the route of focusing on a lot of mental health issues that and that's something that we really don't see that often i mean yes obviously arkham is a place for the criminally insane but you don't really see a whole lot of treatment going on at arkham you just see a whole lot of people breaking out of arkham so this could be really good no i think it'll be good tom king does these big things i think it'll be fine it's an interesting concept like you said we're gonna have a bunch of z-listers and guys we haven't heard of probably start the arc off by dying and then we'll see where it goes from here the the only thing i wonder is is this going to be something that becomes a major part of dc continuity are we going to start having this place where people go to recover or will it just be this series then you know no longer part of the bigger universe that's a good question yeah tom king does seem to do a lot better when yeah like you said he takes his time he isn't rushed and when it is more emotional and more mental health related he seems to tell a way better story than action and twice a month (laughs) yeah and and the biggest thing is we know that this has been planned for quite some time because it was originally announced not officially or not the name of it but the project itself was announced back in january tom king was at a panel at the dc and dc event and he talked about how he was coming up with this this series so like clearly it's been something that's been in the works for a while the fact that it's only seven issues instead of 12 that's a plus because i mean if it has been in the works since potentially january february of this year there's a good chance that by the time september rolls around they'll have a ton of issues already done so that way they don't they don't get behind and everything can release on time and that then i'm not saying that like because of anything having to do with like Mr. Miracle there was a one month gap I think that's the only there was only just one month gap but that had that had a lot more to do with Mitch Mitch Gerard having a having a child and needing a month off because of that which I'm not going to fault the guy for that but I think that because this is a project that has been talked about and has been hinted at so much in the pages of Batman and just in pub you know out out there I think that they've been working on it long enough where it should just flow through and we should just see seven issues every month so that'll be good all right next up on june 15th we were privy to a new redesign that's coming to batgirl batgirl is getting a new costume she's gonna be leaving her burnside version of the costume and it's gonna be geared more towards the batman year one look that she had and we have the concept art that was actually done by Sean Murphy over on the site for you to check out. But I have to say, I am really liking it. I'm, I'm, and I don't know if this is going to be a permanent thing because there was an interview that was done on Polygon with the upcoming writer, Margaret Scott, who's going to be the writer who's going to be working on a short story that's in that's featured in Batgirl number 25 in July should actually take over in Batgirl 26 and then there's a story in Batgirl annual number two which will feature what the reasons of why she's actually got this new costume and then in 27 she'll actually have the new costume and part of it has to do with the fact that she's leaving Burnside she's going back to Gotham proper and the uniform or the costume that she has is one that she just happens to have stashed at her dad's house 
which means we could be seeing more actual Gordon family interactions, which I've been saying that that would be great to see. So there's also some hints at the fact that her implant that kills Simone never took the time to explain her implant is going to be flaking out and frying, so she's going to lose the use of her legs for a short amount of time, and she's going to have to figure out how to continue to deal with the threats that, that she's dealing with while she is unable to use her legs. So there's a lot of things that like I think we've been asking for for quite some time. Actual discussion about the implant is one. The fact that she's getting back to Gotham proper and we're going to see more interaction with her father. It seems like we're going to be having Batgirl in a really good direction. Yeah, I think that the direction is better and the costume. I mean, if you like year one, you like this costume. So... I mean, it is just a slightly modern version of year one, so. The Burnside costume is cool, but I never could see that staying around forever. That was a very, that's a costume that screams dated to a particular time when it was designed, you know? It's cool and it's different, but I like this slightly more traditional look. I don't like the bat on her chest. The way it wraps around her arms is a little weird. It looks uncomfortable. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, it said, I remember in the concept art it showed that it was because it was, like a backpack, because it there's like an actual backpack. backpack on the back. And I'm, I'm guessing, well, this is the action figure collector inside of my head. I'm guessing that the idea would be that her entire thing fits inside of that backpack. But then again, I, I'm not sure why I'm saying that as an action figure thing. Just I'm just thinking, like, hey, if you were going to make a, a character that was an action figure, wouldn't it be really cool if their entire costume fit inside their backpack? I'm sure. I don't know that. I'm not sure that that's the reasoning behind it. But <laughs> okay, all right. But then she'd be running around with a Batman backpack all day long. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that wouldn't be that weird. Unless the bat that. symbol right. actually like snaps off of the strap. Hmm. We'll see. All right. So finally, the last bit of news we have is that DC has provided more details on the Black Label imprint. We heard that it was coming in the fall, and it is, in fact, launching in the fall. So first up, we have Batman Damned, which is going to be releasing in September of this year. It's going to come out every other month and be three issues long. We're not going to be covering it here on the website, but Superman Year One will be releasing in November of this year and release every other month for three issues. And then later on in December of this year, we have The Other History of the DC Universe, which is the series by John Ridley, which is supposed to be focusing on some of the other characters on the, that you know, some of the forgotten characters on the outside of the DC Universe. And that's going to be a monthly series that's going to last seven issues. So if you remember, this imprint is the one, and I know there's a lot of imprints floating around out there now. I mean, like, it seems like every month. A lot. It seems like every month yeah. we're getting a new imprint or a announcement. Just DC and Vertigo. Yeah. That was it. And what used to be. Yeah. And now we've got uh, Jinx World. We've got Young Animal. We've got Killing Zone. We've got Black Label, DC Zoom, DC Inc. I feel like there's even more than that. Oh, the Sandman Universe. That's supposed to be an imprint. Mm. I mean, there's a, there is a lot of stuff out there that is these imprints. But anyway, so the other big announcement as part of this is that as we all suspected, Batman White Knight will be collected and released on October 9th and will be the actual first collected copy that will release under the DC Black Label. And it just so happens that if you were super upset about not getting to see that new Joker and Harley Quinn sex scene in the book, well, it's going to be in that book when it comes out collected under DC Black Label. So Uncensored. Yeah, completely uncensored. They made a big deal about that online. 
And who knows what will happen with the Dark Knight the Master Race being released on Black Label. If we'll get to see any any more weirdness from that book. Yeah. Yeah, as Ed hinted at, there's a number of other titles that DC also announced that will be re-released under the Black Label imprint, which will include DC The New Frontier, Kingdom Come. Which, why is that Black Label, I don't, I don't know. I'm guessing it's just because it's a creator seri- creator-focused series, you know, because it was Darwin Cook's basically his project because it, kingdom it's not adult in any way it's not, no <laughs> well nobody said it was supposed to be adult i mean like there is the ability for it to be the adult you know but nobody said it was going to be kingdom come is clearly a creator focused project being uh, alex ross batman year one batman dark knight master race those are both obviously frank miller projects so the thing is, it's interesting because those are the only ones they've announced at this point, even though there's clearly other stuff out there that would make sense, such as the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight Tricks again, but I feel like DC doesn't want to put that there because they're just weird about which ones they want and which ones they don't want. I don't understand why Master Race is there, but the other two aren't, but whatever. The other thing is, like, obviously, Kingdom Come, New Frontier, Master Race, none of those were really in continuity. Year One is a weird one because it is in continuity. Ish. Ish, yeah. So the thing is, like, there's certain aspects here that, like, I can understand from a certain standpoint. Some of these don't make a lot of sense, but it doesn't matter. The point is, if you have been around comics long enough, you probably know that... The DC, like originally when Elseworlds came out, Elseworlds started to include other ones that weren't originally under the Elseworlds Elseworlds. imprint. Gotham by Gaslight came out way before Elseworlds actually was a thing. So they're basically doing something very similar to that where they're just going to be putting a new label. What will be interesting, however, is if we see some of those Elseworlds end up in their second imprint. So, yeah. Well, that could be. I am looking forward to the Batman Damn series, though, because that is basically Batman, John Constantine, Brave and the Bold style team up. So that could be good. All right. And with that, that is actually all of the news we have. We're going to jump straight into our books and start off with Batman. Batman number 48, writer Tom King, Mikkel Janin on art. Back to the War of Jokes and Riddles team. This is going to be a short wrap-up. Joker goes to someone's wedding and kills almost everyone there, forcing Batman to show up. Joker takes a hostage, threatens to kill him, ends up knocking him out. So ends up taking himself hostage because he's killed everyone and ran out of hostages. Um, He makes Batman pray with him. And the whole thing is like one giant Joker excuse for a monologue. You know what I mean? Like that's what it feels like we were doing here. Batman gets down to pray with him. Joker's starting to kill himself, which some could say Batman should just walk away. He blows up a cross, which knocks out Batman. And then we see that looks like Catwoman is coming in to the rescue. With almost any Joker story in the modern continuity, we have to start by answering this question. Do we like this version of the Joker? And a little add-on to that is, does this feel more like a classic-style Joker or more of what we call Snyder Joker? This is definitely Snyder Joker. Even the, the, the depiction of the art makes it feel like the Snyder Joker, you know, and obviously that was Greg Capullo, but it definitely feels like the Snyder Joker. This does not feel like the classic Joker, especially with the monologuing is a little over the top, but it feels very much like what Snyder did with Joker for so, so long. And I can't honestly, I I honestly can't see it any way but that way. 
Does Joker normally kill that many people without like a Joker reason? Like it wouldn't be a you know a real reason, but a Joker reason. He does. So I mean, depends on. Well, I think with the Joker more than any single character in the Batman universe, where what I'm about to say is true. It depends on the writer, right? <laughs> It's probably why there's three Jokers. I hope. <laughs> yeah, it does feel Snyder Jokery to me. And then the other question that we like to bring up with Joker is pretty simple, which is the Joker is sometimes was now currently is typically used for big thing. Does this feel like the magnitude of story you would associate with a Joker return? I think in conjunction with all of the preludes and the DC Nation story, it it is. Seemingly, at least, building up to something pretty big. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, it feels as if it's definitely building to something. The problem is, I don't know if the intent is that with between all the the issues that all the other allies are dealing with with the preludes, and now Batman's dealing with the Joker. I don't know if this is supposed to be like, you know, something's supposed to happen, and the wedding doesn't occur because of all of these horrific things that keep happening with all of these villains and and this massive thing that's happening with the joker to me it almost feels as if building to something that almost is you know you almost can't come back from the fact that you know batman is seemingly you know down and catwoman goes in to help it almost is foreshadowing something really bad to happen but you know that's not we know nothing's gonna bad's gonna happen to her because she at least has a comic series so i mean the wedding could not happen but she can't die because she's got a comic series she has to headline the same day the wedding is. So yeah, I, I mean, I guess in in the conjunction it does. Although honestly, the DC Nation Joker story, I kind of prefer to this. To be honest with you, it's not bad, but it does seem like uh, the whole issue is just kind of an excuse for a Joker monologue, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just simply what it seems like this this is. Um, so yeah, other than that, I didn't have a lot on it. I think that the meat of the story is going to happen between Catwoman and Joker, to be honest with you, which should happen in the next issue. Did you find yourself yelling at Batman to just punch him? like, Or just let him die? Just, just walk, let him I'm going to kill, kill myself. Okay. okay. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, it seems like it, so many times Batman was right next to him. It's like, just punch him out and then everything will be fine. Or like Put taser him, him or anything. Put him in use one of those himself. awesome gadgets that for some reason Tom King decides to never use. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just real quick, so the art, Mikel Janin, good stuff. Uh, I don't really like this. It's very War of Jokes and Riddles. Yeah. yeah I like, mean, I, don't, style I, I don't really like this version of the Joker the way he looks, but it's not as if he's doing a bad job with the art. I mean, it's it's great. The, the, the scene of the church leaves a lot of things out there that you wouldn't otherwise get. It's a very unique setting that obviously works for the story because of what's happening, but also as an artist, I'm sure it's nice to be able to do something a little bit different than, you know, the streets of Gotham City and the grunginess of that. So Arkham Asylum and its grunginess. Yeah. Yeah. So props to Mikhail Jenin. All right, so this issue, I'm going to give a total of eh, three out of five. Uh, three and a half. I don't dislike it or anything. I said three out of five. Over on the site, Ian gave it four out of five, so that's going to give Batman a total of three and a half out of five. Bad ranks. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 982, written by Michael Morakai, 
Art by Sebastian Fiormia Moron. I I know I said that wrong. Um, You got it. Nailed it. Well done. (laughs) We open with a disheveled man suspended upside down in a Gotham sewer with Batman interrogating him about where a specific boy is. All the while, Batman contemplates that he could have been this man. He could have been desperate and homeless. He could have let himself go to be one of Gotham's forgottens forgotten due to his parents death he could have quit on life but instead he forged himself into a weapon instead of falling into the life of a broken man he arose as batman bruce talks about gotham's redemption plan and others opinions on how to bring gotham out of the shadows some suggest that gotham should just consume itself there are many individuals and groups who want to speed up gotham's downward spiral and seize what is what is left when gotham crumbles Batman realizes that that this man is a member of a cult that wants to let Gotham fall and take over. Walking in the sewers, Batman is attacked by a fanatic who is unable to move. While unable to move, Deacon Blackfire passes through him from behind and manifests himself before Batman. Deacon flaunts that Batman has nowhere to escape. Little does Batman know that Deacon compromised him. Bruce recounts that the Spectre obliterated Deacon from this plane of existence. As you remember, this was in Batman Eternal. This worries Bruce because if he can reconstitute himself in the, after the Spectre's punishment, then Deacon is a serious force. He is now more dangerous than he ever was. Deacon shares that Gotham is cursed. He argues that Batman has, for years, fought against crime and corruption only to never win the war. Gotham is destined for darkness and mayhem, and Deacon asks if he is willing to join sides with him and embrace the madness. Bruce, likes, like every good hero, tells Deacon that he will never relent. The city will never be his to command. Deacon tells Bruce that he and his acolytes will take Gotham and eliminate Bruce. He also shares that Bruce should be feeling the Deacon's effects stronger now. He tells Bruce that he soon will be under the Deacon's total control. Bruce tries to fight, and he is quickly defeated and left to rot in the sewers. Bruce wakes up and sees a world on fire. Bruce knows that the destruction is due to Deacon, and although he is discombobulated with this Gotham, he knows that Batman is needed. In the streets, an adult Joshua raises his axe and declares that Gotham has worshipped a false god, Batman, for far too long. He tells the masses that the hour is at hand and the future is in their grip. They can take back their city from Batman. As Joshua swings his axe down onto the bat signal, Batman stops him. He tells Joshua that he will not win today, and Joshua retorts that he is outnumbered. At that moment, the mob surround and attacks Bruce while being beaten. Batman calls out for Robin. Back in the sewers, a voice from the shadow calls out to Bruce to wake up. Bruce realizes he's not alone when he sees Dick, Barbara, Duke, and Damien. They encourage him to get up and fight. They tell him that he has never let them down. They tell him Deacon is wrong because Bruce has made each and every one of their lives better. With their support, Bruce gets up to complete his mission of saving the boy. Dick tells Bruce to remember Gotham and every inch of it. He remembers that the sewer system had renovations scheduled but were abandoned years ago, yet the wall in front of him is new. He punches through the wall and arrives where Joshua is held. Bruce uses a flashbang to blind Deacon's followers and quickly incapacitates them. With Deacon's forces now disabled, he does not have the necessary strength to take over Joshua's body. Thus, with no power source, Deacon's incorporeal form fades away. Now safe, Bruce and Joshua await for his parents to arrive by watching the sunrise on the roof of a skyscraper. All right. 
So two things. One, if well, Steph will ask, I want to ask this. This is more pertaining to your point of view. As a reader who is newer to comics, who probably hasn't read Batman Eternal, did you know what the heck was going on with Deacon Blackfire? I didn't, but I mean, I've read enough science fiction stuff to, you know, get general concept of Ghost Bad one. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like... It's interesting because this picks up on a story, and I'm not saying Batman Eternal was bad. It had its moments that were that was good, but there was a lot of different stories that were happening in the midst of Batman Eternal, and one of them was dealing with the Spectre, and Batwing just happened to be along for that story. But Deacon Blackfire was focused, and Deacon Blackfire is a character who's popped up here and there over the years, but that was really the first time he was featured in a larger story. And he had a pretty significant presence and it was pretty crazy everything that happened the way it did. So it's interesting to bring back that story because that was like four or five years ago at this point. I want to say at least four because it wasn't, it was in the first Batman Eternal, not the second one. And that had to happen at least, well, I mean, we, we've been in Rebirth for two years now. So it's had, it had to happen, you know, back before even DCU, so, yeah, I mean, that, it's been a long time, so it's interesting to, to go back to that, even though if we're not necessarily going back to it, and it's just the idea of him being able to, you know, him being out there as, like, the spirit form who takes over bodies, and it's very reminiscent to what we see in with Dead Man, so it's not like it's an impossible thing, but I thought it was kind of interesting to go back to you know, a story and at least reference a story that has happened so long ago, especially when a lot of these one shot type stories where it's just one issue, one and done type story, those issues don't tend to focus on something like that. It's like a very, very concentrated story where we don't necessarily have to have, we haven't had to read a bunch of other things. So, I mean, like, it's interesting the idea of this working because. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who don't, who might not even know who Deacon Blackfire is. I mean, obviously he was in a very big or a very major story with the cult, but I'm sure there's people out there who haven't read that either. And if you haven't, I suggest you do. That's a mistake. Yeah, because it's yeah. a really good series. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting. The other thing I wanted to talk about real quick was the idea of the characters that appeared to him when he was out of it. So we had Dick, Barbara, Duke, and Damien, and there was a conversation that started up on Twitter between myself and a couple of a couple other people about why they chose to use these specific characters. There was people who were concerned of like, well, why didn't you use like Steph and Cass or even Tim Drake or Batwoman? Why weren't those characters used? It doesn't make a lot of sense. And you know the the responses that were given were basically. Well, you know, these were the characters that I, you know, I had to use because we don't always get to choose which characters we're able to utilize when we're writing a story. Now, and you're when you're when he's hallucinating. <laughs> exactly, that's the thing that's extremely strange about this. And and I will say, the writer was the one who said, the actual writer Michael Morikai was actually the one who said that you he couldn't. These were the characters he was able to utilize. It wasn't that wasn't somebody else. It was him who said that. So the thing is, it's one of those things where that's a very strange group of characters to specifically be told, well, these are the ones you can use, but nobody else. So I kind of was thinking about this, and maybe I thought about this a little too much, but 
I'm thinking to myself that there's two possibilities here. The first possibility is that this one and done issue was meant to fill in whenever it needed to be filled in. It wasn't something that was just put together, you know, in the last couple months. It was something that was put together a while ago. And if you remember correctly, Tim and Cass and and Steph and even Batwoman to a degree, all of those characters have either been off the table where they're not interacting with Batman or they're not featured in other series. And the thing is, I'm not debating that some of those characters should have showed up. But if this was written at a time where Tim Drake was still, you know, quote unquote dead or Batmo- Batwoman was out on the outs with the family or Stephen- Steph had her, she was on the outs with the, with the Bat family or Cass wasn't really intended to be used at the time. Maybe that's the reason why they specifically chose these characters. This feels like with those three, those four characters appearing in the thing in the the hallucination that it's very very time based to be happening sometime in the neighborhood of you know like a year ago or something like that i don't know if it was written a year ago i have no idea but that's my only guess as to why those four characters were featured my other possibility is that the they that editorial said well well the other the other idea was if you remember correctly when we talked about um, last issue of Detective Comics, how we've talked about this multiple times during Detective Comics, how the issues themselves they have a tendency. Like we we felt like Tynan's run was condensed greatly, and there was other things that were probably meant to be in. I'm sure that Batwoman was meant to be not you know on the outs of the family for a longer period of time, time wise, because he needed to wrap up the stuff that he was doing. It didn't happen for more than like two issues. But she was probably supposed to be on the outs for longer. Tim Drake could have potentially been dead for longer. And that whole story could have happened at a different point. So I'm guessing it had something to do with one of those two reasonings. Your guys' thoughts. It's just one panel, though. Like, I I read this not knowing that whole backstory. And I was so confused. It's like, he literally just broke up his band of Mary Batman. And the four people in this panel had nothing to do with the rest of the book, other than the trial of Batwoman. Yeah. And it just seems like one panel is something they could squish in at the last second. Maybe he didn't explain it to him properly. I mean, I'm being serious for a second. Maybe he didn't explain to editorial it was a hallucination. Because, I mean, there's all kinds of continuity, like, well, this character is doing this. Maybe he didn't tell him, like, oh, it's just like a one-panel hallucination he may have just asked what characters could he put in without reservations. You know what I'm saying? And they said, well, you can use these. I, I mean, I'm assuming if they said, uh, you know, it's a hallucination for one panel, they'd have been like, oh, well, then use whatever you want. You know, I mean. Yeah, it would make no sense not to use whoever you wanted no. when it's a hallucination. And they didn't use the one that, that made sense, by the way. So, you know who almost had to be there in this hallucination, right? Like, this is the only missed part of the story, I think. The person he should have had in the hallucination that he should have saw was Jason Todd in a Robin costume because of the connection to the cult, right? Like, think about it. Jason Todd was Robin for a really short amount of time, right, Dustin? Yeah. The only real memorable story, except the one where he gets killed... Is the cult. Is the cult, right? Like, it is the one shining moment where Jason Todd saves Batman, right? So not using it... Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I know it's like deep dive type stuff. 
but but he's already a doing a deep dive in and of itself by using this character and and not really leading up to the explanation as to where, why this character is being used. And this feels very cultish, and I mean that nothing but a compliment, right? Like the even the font for the title page, the, the Demon of Gotham City. It's the same font used in the cult, right? The art echoes the cult. It's in the sewer, like. It very much. I mean, I understand what you're saying about Batman Eternal of, of bringing Deacon Blackfire back, but this feels more related to the cult to me in style choice. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like, and and I think if they had just put Jason in there, I think it would have been a great wink, wink to to. And he was obviously like giving a giant wink to the cult, not just the Deacon Blackfire. The art choices, yeah. the you know what I'm saying? Like, so not putting Jason in there in a Robin costume was you know again it's not like destroy the story or anything for me but i think that would have been fun yeah i think uh the other the other the other problem with this is that this is another perfect issue where maybe it was meant to be a one and done and just be you know placed wherever it needed to be but it could have worked so much better if there was some editor's notes you know like oh please one, see please batman see, eternal yeah please yeah. see batman eternal for the story about deacon blackfire and how he became this spirit or Please see the cult uh, for any of this. Any the, of this stuff. The problem is, yeah. like, they're not referencing it because they're so hesitant about whether or not something is in continuity, and it's so annoying. Just break the habit, DC. Let's just get into the habit of doing editor's notes. I know some of the books are doing it. Just do all of the books. Either that or the, well, we have a massive problem because the editor at, of the book doesn't have any idea the history of the characters, which is a big Well, don't problem. you think, too... If there was a note that said, uh, if you, you know, uh, Deacon Blackfire was introduced in Batman the Cult, available in trade. Don't you think that, I'm not saying it would have sold a thousand copies of the Cult, but maybe 10, 20, 30, you know Yeah, like it would like, sell something. You put it uh, you put it on sale on Comixology shortly after. and Yeah. Same thing with Batman Eternal. Exactly. You could do the exact same thing. I mean, like, I'm sure it would do something. Like, those editor's notes cannot be that jarring to an issue where you cannot do they're not them. Like, jarring at all. No, I know that. I'm just saying, like, there's a reason why they're not doing them. Okay? But who does, like... It's been... Who they've done the... They, they did editor's notes for decades, and now they're just not doing them at all. And I know we've talked about this before, and I know we've brought it up and had discussions about it in the comment section of the episode, but, like, seriously, it's just something that needs to start happening. Somebody needs to, like, write a letter to Jamie Rich... And say, hey, you're the group editor now. Mandate that your editor start using editor's notes because you could potentially sell more stuff if people were knowing where to, what to go read. And I don't see the drawback. I don't. Right? I, like, I don't see any drawback. I mean, the only like, problem I've is the gotten. only only thing I can think of is that they are too hesitant about nailing down whether or not something's in continuity. And the thing is, just get over it. And just no, deal with it. I mean, how long in the New 52 do we have to hear Scott Snyder saying, everything is still in continuity. All those stories that you love happen, even though we're somehow trying to make them all happen in five years. Like, it's just, that that was tiring enough as it was, and ignoring the back continuity of the characters was ridiculous. But now we're at the point where it just needs to happen. This is ridiculous. Especially now we're embracing a lot of the history of the characters and we have the we have the history of you know Deacon Blackfire and this newer version of him based off of a comic series that occurred. It's, it just needs to happen. 
So, despite my uh, my concerns about the way editor's th- the editor's notes, I'm not going to say by any means that this was bad. It was actually a good issue. I'm going to give it three and a half out of five. Yeah, I'm going to go four out of five on it, just because I do love the cult. It's one of my favorite stories, and this is such a giant wink to the cult that I got to give it a good rating. I was a naughty podcaster this year, this week, and I. I read it about an hour before we recorded, and I gave it a 2.5 because I was so confused. And then I went through it again. I was like, oh, some of these are hallucinations. That makes so much more sense. And so I, I bumped it up to a 3.5 because that fixed it for me, knowing knowing that. Oh, and don't feel bad. I have <laughs> notoriously read a comic during the news section before, so <laughs> don't feel bad about that at all. All right, and over on the site, Tony gave it four, so that's going to give Detective Comics a total of three and a half out of five bad ratings. That is all of our in-depth reviews. Let's head over to the site for Greater Gotham. First up, on June 6th, we had Batman number 48, which we already talked about. Batman Prelude to the Wedding, Nightwing vs. Hush number 1. Batman's bachelor party is interrupted by Hush, who faces off with Nightwing. This is by Paul. He gave it 1.5 out of 5. I'm going to give this a neutral, and we're going to talk about the preludes after we get through Greater Gotham. Thumbs down. Thumbs up. I liked it. Nightwing number 45. Nightwing wakes to find himself in bed with Barbara Gordon with no memory of the previous night as a new technological threat to Bloodhaven grows. This was reviewed by Paul. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Neutral. Harley Quinn number 43. Harley is having a dark turn as her emotions spiral out of control as she meets a fellow mentally troubled person, which leads to the sinister machinations of Professor Pig. This is by David. He gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs up. Neutral. No secondary TV books. Main DC Universe books. Justice League number one is the new team forms. Threats sprout out that the League must deal with. This is by Corbin. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Deathstroke number 32. Deathstroke and Batman clash in Spain as their plots become increasingly tangled. This is by Ian. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Abstain. Thumbs up. Secondary DC Universe books. Bombshells United number 19, which includes digital chapters number 37 through 38, which is the final issue of the series. The bombshell versions of Batwoman, Joker's daughter, Harper Robe, Tim Drake, Bette Kane, Kathy DeQuince, Alicia Yao, Nell Little, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Batgirl, Talia al Ghul, Black Bat, Batman, and Catwoman all appear in the issue. The Man of Steel, number two, Joker and Vicky Vale appear briefly in the issue. And The Unexpected, number one, Killer Croc appears in this issue. Uh, moving over to June 13th, we had uh, main TV books. We already talked about Detective Comics number 982. Batman Prelude to the Wedding, Batgirl vs. The Riddler, number one, is the countdown to Batman's marriage and... Marriage to Catwoman continues. The Riddler arrives in Burnside and targets Batgirl. This is by Paul. He had four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Boy, I'm going to go neutral, but I can see where the thumbs up would come from. I'm going to go neutral, too. Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 23. Ma Gun's secret package sends Jason on a tip, a trip, that is, down memory lane. This lane is not leading to his own memories, though, but those of his father. This is by Jessica. She gave it four out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Two very emotional thumbs up. 
Uh, no secondary debut books. Main DC Universe books. Titan Special number one. Dick Grayson recruits a new team that aims to help the Justice League. This is by Corbin. He gave it one and a half out of five. I'm give this one a neutral. Jeez, <laughs> oh, Corbin. Abstain. <laughs> Thumbs up, and it was full of editor's notes. You should give it points just for that. I should, but the problem is there when you when you have an oversized book that literally has as many artists as this one had, I have a major problem with that. I did notice that. That was a little annoying. Suicide Squad number 43 with Cobra agents in front of them and the rest of the Suicide Squad closing the gap from behind. Deadshot starts to wonder if Batman truly means to help him at all. This is by Bob. He gave it two and a half out of five and he gives one a neutral. Thumbs down. Thumbs down. Secondary DC Universe books. The Immortal Men number three. The Batman Who Laughs appears in this issue. The Man of Steel number three. Batman appears in the issue. New Superman and the Justice League of China number 24 which is the final issue of that series. Robin Bot and the Batman of China both appear in the issue. Sideways number five, the Batman Who Laughs and the GCD, GCPD appear in the issue while the story continues to take place in Gotham City. Wonder Woman number 48, Batman appears alongside the Justice League in the issue. Finally, trades and hardcovers that released over the past two weeks include Batman The Rebirth Deluxe Edition Book 2 hardcover, Dark Knight's Metal Deluxe Edition Hardcover, Gotham City Garage Volume 1 Trade Paperback, Elseworlds Batman Volume 3 Trade Paperback, Infinite Crisis Omnibus New Edition Hardcover, DC Young Animal Milk Wars Trade Paperback, and Teen Titans Go Their Greatest Hijinks Trade Paperback. So that is everything that released in the past two weeks. Let's quickly discuss the preludes. So first up we had the Nightwing vs. Hush one. There was some big disappointments. Ooh boy. From this one, um, first up, for whatever reason, the only people who attend Bruce's bachelor party are Nightwing and Superman. Strange. Yeah, very strange. And of all places, they go to Batburger. So it wasn't like they went to a strip club and they couldn't bring some of the younger, you know, male allies of, of Batman. No, they went well, to a Maybe they were going there joint. next. I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on. They were going to go fishing. I don't know. I, I, I like, anyway, so they go to, yes, they were, that's right, they were supposed to be going fishing, that's exactly what was supposed to happen. Interdimensional fishing. Yes, and so Hush shows up, and Hush decides to fight with Nightwing about the fact that Hush should be the, Hush should be the best man in Bruce's wedding, because Hush is the best friend of, of Bruce Wayne. Um, and I guess we're going back to that. Sure. I guess we're going back to that ridiculous thought of they've been friends since forever, and they, you know, that whole suicide thing that 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 uh, I don't. Even, but let's just put it this way: it was not very enjoyable. And the, the other problem was that at the end, Bruce just randomly tells Dick, "Oh, sorry, you're not the best man anyway. Superman is." <laughs> I will say this: I thought that the start of it. Going to the burger joint, although they should have had some more friends with them. I thought that was kind of cute and enjoyable. Like when they it come was, in, it like, was, it was as soon as the interdimensional crap started yeah. happening. Like I, I started reading this and I'm like, okay, this is kind of cool. And the joke about, hey, nice costumes. Like that was kind of, you know what I'm saying? Like these are supposed to be one off specials for the wedding. And it started off cool. Then this whole interdimensional hush slash swimming pool fishing thing happened, which was a bit of a mess. And then I thought the ending with Dick was actually okay because he explains it and Dick can understand that that's... And that's true. Like, your best man is your best friend, not your the de facto adopted son. Yeah. Right? So, and then, like, hey, let's hang out sometime. Yeah, I like that. Like, 
I, I like the beginning and the end. It's just the middle is a total mess. I agree. But the thing is, the, the precedent I think set by the first one was this is more a character study of whoever the good guy in the verses is. And so I ignored Hush because I, I don't. Was Hush in New 52 at all? During Batman Eternal. Eternally shows up, right? Yeah. So basically, we know him from pre New 52, and it's, he's totally. Unless he's completely psychotic, which he might be, like, he's totally out of character. But. I don't feel like he's. I, I feel like this is definitely the Batman Eternal version yeah. and not the pre Flashpoint okay. version of the character. And then the uh, the other major glaring issue with this is. Well, okay, I guess it's not. If. Within the context of the issue, it's it's not something that would be glaringly an issue. But there was a tweet that happened to get posted by Tom King three days before this issue released where he explicitly asked, answered a question and quoted it so that all his followers would see it that said all of the details of who's the best man, who's the, the, the maid of honor, all of that stuff isn't going to be revealed until the actual wedding issue. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, I'm like... But I've already like I, again, had, I had yeah. already read the Nightwing versus Hush one, and I'm like, really? Then what's the point of reading these preludes if all of that stuff isn't going to be if all of all of this stuff that you're refer, you know that people keep asking questions about the wedding about? I mean, like literally, we have a dress and we have the date that we know it's supposed to be happening. That is the only thing that we know what's happening. We didn't even know it was Batman marrying Catwoman and not Bruce and Selina up until the preludes came out. So, like, there's a big glaring problem. And yeah, don't it, start me on that stuff. It, it goes back to the filling in the gaps here because it's one of those things where it would have made more sense to explain to us before we got that Joker story in DC Nation that it was Batman and Catwoman getting married and not Bruce and Selina because then it would have made sense as to why the Joker knew about the wedding Although I don't know why everybody's talking about it. I don't know why this would be the talk of the town. Hey, everybody, did you hear Batman's getting married to Catwoman? Why would like, everybody do do? know that? Like, did the Justice League put out a press release? I don't know. Like, I, don't start. Just don't stop. Make, don't let me talk about it. Yeah. So um, then moving into the next one, and I'll, and the reason why I, I gave this one a thumbs up, Good. so this is the Riddler versus Batgirl, and there's a couple of things. One, I think it was really smart to pair, like initially when I heard Riddler and Batgirl, I was thinking it just seems like a weird team up, or a weird pairing, but I guess the entire intent was to, you know, have the wits and, and intellect, you know, facing off against each other. And in that regard, it makes actually perfect sense. And it actually makes me kind of want to see a Riddler story where it focuses, or, you know, a Riddler story in the pages of Batgirl, just because Riddler's all about being the smartest person in the world, and Batgirl is, is clearly probably the smartest person the in the world. The or one of them. Yeah, at least one yeah. of them. So the thing is, like, I would love to see that. And that's what I kept thinking as I was reading this. I was like, this is really good. I kind of want to see a longer story or, a, you know, a more in-depth story with Riddler as the, the bad guy. Because I know that, obviously, they've crossed paths before. But this is one of the few, you know, this just made me really think, man, I would love to get, like, a really cool six-issue story arc that features Riddler as, like, this huge threat. And, you know, we've got, a, we've got intellect versus intellect. So there was that part of it, too. Also, the Death Trap stuff was... I mean, that's very Snyder-ish because that wasn't really something that we saw that much of prior to Snyder really doing in Zero Year. So the, you mean the homicidal Riddler? Yeah, the homicidal Riddler <laughs> where he's like 
all hell-bent on killing people and using these death traps, similar to, I guess, Jigsaw from Saw. But yeah, that's definitely a Snyder thing because that wasn't the case before that. And that was one of the aspects I was not appreciative of. So it's kind of weird because it feels like Tim Seeley is living in the New 52 when he's writing some of these characters. Um, but nah. this... Not not all of them, but I mean, like it, it feels like the especially some of the characters they're using and the ver, the the versions of the characters were they're using. Like, Rid- lest we forget about how the Riddler was portrayed in the War of Jokes and Riddles, which is firmly in rebirth, homicidal maniac. It's true, you know. I, yeah, I did kind of forget about that. We we just had the thing with the, but the thing Ivy is- story a couple months ago where we showed Riddler killing even more <laughs> people. You know, yeah. But I feel Uh-oh. I feel like Tom King is in some ways I I don't know why I forgot he's about following it. the latest Snyder. Yeah, I know he that's is. What you're gonna say yes, exactly. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, so yeah, you're right. But what did you guys think of Hush and Backroll? There was uh, you mean Riddler and Backroll? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what I meant. I don't know why I said it, but yes, I meant Riddler and Backroll. It's fine. I mean, I thought he was a little obsessive with her. To be honest with you, um, he's got that quirk in his personality. Listen, I love the Riddler, and I do think that. You know, how many times have you heard this? Uh, what Batgirl slash Nightwing slash Jason Todd slash Damien really needs is their own Joker. Right. Like, how many times do we hear that? Yeah. Right? Well, if you're not going to use the Riddler in a, in a way of consequence in Batman, then I would love to see her loaned out to Batgirl to become her de facto Joker for, for even an extended period of time. I think it'd be fantastic. It's a great idea. I Really enjoyed, even though I, I totally see the failings of the first two, especially the Hush one. I, I did love the the relationship between Damien and Selena in the first one, and then Dick and Bruce in the second one, even though Bruce never takes his cowl off. That drove me nuts. Um, but in this one, it's so removed from the wedding. Like, all you really have is Riddler going, I could have a relationship with a hero. No, I couldn't. Ha <laughs> ha. I don't know. It was weird. So for that, I gave it a neutral. It was it was fine as a comic, but as far as like a wedding prelude, it didn't really seem to fit. It didn't, yeah. It didn't like get it. Was, like there was nothing about it that I went. I, I kind of I think me and Steph are kind of the same. There was nothing about it that was like this is trash. <laughs> it just was okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. like hey, you're a Riddler fanboy. You know that. Yeah, I know you are. Yeah, but that's it's because fine. because I like the intellect. I mean, like I I like the Riddler a heck of a lot more than I like the Joker because the Joker, even if they both are in this version of things, the homicidal maniacs, I, I just feel like the the death traps and the you know trying to actually like outsmart jigsaw. people. He was jigsaw. Yeah, I mean, like I don't like that part of it, but like outsmarting everybody is something that I think is really cool. All right, so those are the preludes. We've still got one more left. Red Hood is the next one. Red Hood and Anarchy. And I think that's the last one because, yeah, because the following week is the wedding. All right, so those are the preludes. We've got two more that are coming out in the coming weeks. We've got Harley Quinn and Joker and Red Hood and Anarchy. And Red Hood and Anarchy is coming out first. So those are the preludes. And then, obviously, the wedding is right around the corner. I will also tell you that at this point, we have decided that the episode that you hear next which we wouldn't normally cover this, we will cover the wedding episode, or we'll cover the wedding as it releases. So that Friday, so in two weeks, when you're listening to the podcast, we'll actually be covering the wedding that comes out that week, which will be somewhat out of the ordinary for us, but it is something that we're going to do because the wedding is such a big deal, and 
obviously the sooner we talk about it, the better. So look forward to that in two weeks. So real quick, before we get into listener Q&As, I want to go through our Patreon supporters real quick. Thank you, Lisa, Jerry, No Deuces, Stephanie, Ian, Robert, Anthony, Emil, and Don and Rob. Thank you very much for all your support on Patreon. Just as a heads up, if you are currently supporting us on Patreon, I'm pretty sure I said this in one of the previous episodes, but we are working on reworking some of the stuff that we have on Patreon, reducing the number of tiers that we have and reducing or and increasing, I should say, the rewards that you can actually get. Some of the rewards that we've determined we're going to do are some special comic reviews, so reviews that of books that we don't normally give in-depth reviews of. We also are going to be doing some random conversational pieces related to Batman in general. It doesn't necessarily have to be a comic situation, but a random topic in general that will be discussed that relates back to Batman in some way. So those that's some of the rewards that are coming. We're also working on creating a TBU merch store that you can buy different pieces of merch with our logo. And over time, we'll get some more exclusive graphics added into the possibilities of that. And then part of the rewards will be like, you know, coupons for percentages off of the merchandise and things like that. So definitely check that stuff out. If you are not supporting us on Patreon, Please do support us on Patreon. All of the money that's raised on Patreon goes to better the site. I know I've said multiple times over the past six months that we're looking to redo the site and you know revamp it, make it look cool and everything like that. But that costs money, and the money that we raise on Patreon helps us put the money towards you know doing that kind of stuff on top of regular maintenance and things like that. And if you feel like you want us to be talking about movies, TV, and merchandise and video games, that would be the Batman Universe podcast, and we have every intent of bringing that back. But again, we need more funds to make stuff like that happen because the stuff we're currently doing is, all of that is eating up all of the money we're currently making every single month on Patreon. So the more support we get, the more content we can produce, if that makes sense. And I'm sure it does for those of you who are familiar with Patreon. So... Head over or the, cash. Or cash, yes. Yeah. Um, or the idea of money in general. Yeah. So if you head over the site and you scroll just a little bit down in the sidebar, at the top of the sidebar, there is a spot that says Patreon. Support us on Patreon. You click that, it'll take you there. Right now, the tiers are set up $1, $5, 10 and $25. We're going to be changing those around. It's most likely going to be $3, 10 and 20 but I haven't finalized that yet. We're just working out the kinks but the idea is even $3, we're getting rid of the $1 tier just because the fees that actually are associated with a single $1 thing, it's, it's actually too cumbersome. So we're going <laughs> to... We yeah, pay you. Yeah, yeah, basically, Patreon, basically yeah. yeah. Patreon is getting all of your money instead of us getting any money. So that's what we're looking at. And like I said, we're going we're gonna to be working on this. And I'm hoping by the next episode, I've worked out all the kinks and I finalized everything. But just keep in mind that if you're... We won't have time to talk about it, of course, because we'll be talking about the wedding, but we will have... Yes, yes. We might, just, we might just say, hey, check it out, but there's a lot going on in the next episode. But that being said, if you're currently supporting us and you get a notification that the tiers have changed, you may need to go back in and just re-up in one of the new tiers. Just other, You'll still be supporting us. It just won't be at any of the, the tiers that actually have any rewards until you go back in and re-up in the normal tiers so that being said i strongly suggest you guys check that out so 
that is that. Now we have a number of comments that we have to cover. covered just a couple of comments related to the Marvel Unlimited app on the last episode and then we ran out of time. So I want to get into a lot of the other stuff that is not related to the Marvel Unlimited app because quite honestly that conversation is has come and gone. So let's start off with Ian. Excellent discussion of Tech 980. That's one of the best issues of any series in a long time, even though I think both Batman and Detective Comics are pretty solid series most of the time since Rebirth. It even honored Steph's short time as Robin, something I didn't ever even dare to hope for. Thanks for the info on Mother Panic Gotham AD. Perhaps I'll get the trade when it come, when it's all done in August. It's a good idea. Trades are coming. You should. It's good. 980 yeah. was great fantastic i don't want to dismiss some of the comments that that are really just agreeing with us or stating their opinions because there's not a lot to say with those but because we have so many comments and some of these comments are extremely (laughs) long and i'm not saying i say that i'm not saying you have to trim down your comments although i'm not gonna i'm not gonna complain if you do so you only have to trim down your comments if you want us to read (laughs) the whole thing so um, we're going to skip the next one, which is I A I C D Z I U. And I'm sure that's Isa Dizu. I, I could have got a good one. Mostly because it talks more about the Marvel Unlimited. I'm pretty sure we talked about that on the last episode. Next, Bob talks about Marvel Unlimited. So we're going to skip that part of it, but go straight into the rest of his comments, which has to do with young animals. So let's go there. So Bob Moriarty says, I'm disappointed to hear young animal is coming to a close, especially at- Um, Mother Panic, and while sure, pop-up imprint does seem to imply a shelf life, it's frustrating to have just enough time to really be interested in a new aspect of the DC Universe and then have it ripped away. And I guess that's really all I have to say this month. But then he has something else to say. Bob, you liar. (laughs) Say, okay, I guess I have one more thing to say, which is this. Yes, Dustin, spot on. We don't read the comics to try and surmise our own interpretation of what happened and why our heroes acted the way they did. While I think King probably views this as a thought-provoking standpoint, it comes off as the opposite, seemingly like lazy writing. While self-exploration of the minds of characters is maybe an interesting tool in some forms of writing, it has no place here. This is a contingent universe and we need to know on some level exactly what happened okay rant over find bob all right so um yes we all yes, off right there <laughs> right there with you with young animal you know obviously i'm not gonna i'm not gonna elaborate on this because i know there's a couple of other people's comments that are going to talk about this off panel land that we all hate but i guess there's some people who, ha- who actually like it so Let's keep. So, Bob, well, I definitely agree with you. You already knew that because you said that I was spot on. Well, so, quick, quick, quick thing on the on the young animal stuff. Who wouldn't like to see Violet, uh, Mother Panic, with Jason Todd for a story? Come on. Yeah, I that wouldn't would, be opposed to that. That would be cool. So, I, I think it would be really character. cool if it was like, hey, well, not. I don't really want the version of her now. I want the original uh, version. You know, yeah, the original version. But if the original version came back and it was in Gotham and they were kind of like, hey, uh, you know, 
uh, Batman comes to her and is like, you know, I, I, I get that you're operating here, but let's have you operate with somebody who has a little bit more knowledge of what how things work around here. Oh, and here. her and Jason? Oh. And her and Jason? It would be pretty amusing. That'd be fun. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 All right. So next up comes from, uh, we get a comment from Theo. Theo Wright says, longtime listener, first time commenter. I've been pondering this a while. Every few episodes, Dustin has mentioned that these interludes that seem to come up in King's run, and he theorizes that it's King just trying to fill the space to get to number 50. Is it possible that it can be more than that? I've noticed these fluff issues not only in Batman, but in other books as well as during the runs. For example, Brian Hill was supposed to start his arc in Detective with number 982, but has just been pushed back to another few issues. Another example includes Bizarro being a genius for entirely too long in Red Hood and the Outlaws. Fluff issues seem to have popped up in The Flash and Wonder Woman as well. Is it possible that the real culprit of all this is Doomsday Clock? From the beginning, we've been told that the DC books are all supposed to catch up to Doomsday Clock by the time it ends. That was the story from the start, but since then, Doomsday Clock has now gone to every other month, and there was some rumor at one point that even May's issue would be delayed until Johns came out and said it would be released on the 30th. Technically June, in my opinion. So is it possible that the writers are creating these sometimes good, sometimes <laughs> WTH stories because DC is telling them that they need to slow things down to keep Johns and Franks from rushing? Well, I'll say this. It is entirely possible that that is the case, that Doomsday is the real culprit, but I don't believe that's what's happening with Tom King's stories. And here's the reason, because if the wedding was supposed to happen with issue 50... There's no reason we should have had any of these standalone stories in in between the engagement and the and the actual wedding that didn't relate to the wedding in some way. The Booster Gold story as as ridiculous as it was, the placement of it made no sense. Yes, the way they framed it with the idea of he was trying to give Bruce Wayne a present it works in the the context of the story, but the entire story was such a weird story to just have sitting in the middle of the issues. We knew that the wedding was going to be in July. Doomsday Clock did not affect when the wedding was going to happen. Tom King had said from from back at like New York Comic Con before Doomsday Clock was delayed over and over and over again was that you know the wedding was intended to be in Batman number fifty. So that didn't change. The issue that I have is having like a Booster Gold story, the Poison Ivy story. Those stories like. They have they have meaning and they have significance, but they're not significant for what's happening in the Batman book. They have significance for leading up to what Tom King's doing with Heroes in Crisis, which is coming on September. And you know, as a backdoor pilot for something that's already been you know has already been announced back in February or January, it doesn't make a lot of sense for me to be getting a story about Poison Ivy, who ultimately ends up being a troubled person who needs to go to the sanctuary. We don't need to see Booster Gold mess up so badly that all these people die and he has to live with it and then he has to go to the sanctuary. Those stories don't make any sense in the placement of let's get to the you know, let's get to the wedding. Meanwhile, we have these preludes that Tom King himself is contradicting, you know, plot points that are happening in the actual book saying, well, the best man is not actually going to get revealed until Batman 50. How much stuff can you really reveal in one issue? I know it's a little bit larger than normal, but seriously, how how much can you really put in one issue to explain? Guess we're going to find out. Yeah, I mean, I cannot wait until this issue because I because I feel like it is this massive amount of stuff 
that he just won't tell us. Like, now we're getting this Joker story, and it, it pertains more to the wedding than some of the other ones, but it feels as if, it again, it's just two issues dealing with the Joker. Catwoman and Batman are teamed up to take down the Joker, just like they were teamed up to take down Poison Ivy, just like they were not teamed up, but they both were featured in the Booster Gold story. And it just feels like these stories, like... The issues leading up to it should be where you're you're finding out about the wedding. You cannot tell me everything about the wedding in the in one issue. You know they had the one issue that dealt with her getting the the uh, the dress, which by far was probably one of the better issues. But the thing is, like, you can't sit here and say we're on a sprint towards the wedding and everything leading up to the wedding is just Batman and Catwoman dealing with you know villain of villain of the month or whatever. To me, it feels like. If you're going to do some of the stuff that's being done in the preludes, that could have happened in the Batman title. Not the way the preludes are being framed, Whoa. but some of the stuff. The preludes just could have been issue 48, issue 47. Exactly. It could have just been the and that's the thing. And that's, yeah. that's why I don't understand this. Like, we've got these preludes, but Tom King himself is saying, well, I'm doing my thing and these preludes are happening anyway. Then it just comes across as, really? Okay, so basically what you're saying is... You have full control over the wedding. You don't even want to really talk about the wedding other than the dress until the actual wedding. Meanwhile, DC's realizing, hey, we probably need to do a little bit more talking about the wedding. And then when it got Tim Seeley to do these these preludes and you're not got you guys aren't really talking. It just feels like, you know, basically Tim Seeley's come on board and they're not communicating, and then you're sitting there thinking, like, well, what's the point of reading mm-hmm. the preludes? Because if Tom King is just gonna contradict everything in his own one issue then what's the point of reading the preludes? I will say this about that. I don't like it either. That being said, Tom King is not the first comic book writer to put fluff issues in to make an arbitrary number. That's true. And I'm not... And I, mean, I, I know that's... Full disclosure. I know that's definitely I, I not true. I agree with you. I think it's... I, I think it's junk. I think that we could have just put the... You know what I'm saying? But this isn't the first time in history that we've had trying to get like to 950 or <laughs> 1000 in action comics recently right where we had to put up with some junk to get you know what i'm saying like it's happened before it shouldn't i've never really got between behind the whole arbitrary number thing hysterical since we just celebrated issue our episode <laughs> number 250 but i never really got behind like the whole arbitrary like it's the 50th issue it's got to be good like <laughs> They're all supposed to be good. So, um, I've never got behind the arbitrary number. Like, I have never read a single story. And I mean, great the greats, Hush, Year One, uh, Dark Justice, you name it. And thought, you know what would have made this story really good? If this first issue had been number mm-hmm, 50. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just doesn't matter. Um, I get why they do it. I we and, and here's the truth, Dustin. You know, when we look at the sales numbers, number ones and number fifties and number one hundreds sell more. Yeah, they period. do. They do. They absolutely do. Yeah, and I mean, now, we just had uh, the sale numbers for May posted up, uh, you know, over the weekend, and Spider-Man number eight hundred was the top seller for the for mm-hmm. the because it was number eight hundred. Yeah, exactly. Like that's it. And like, I think the month before that it was Action Comics one thousand, or maybe it was split because they had like multiple editions of it, but. But it was but that it was, was still the, the number seller, one yeah. selling unit. Yeah. So like, as much as we can sit here and kind of like pan on, and I, I agree with you. Like I think it was silly. We all know this. This is a business, right? So I just 
I don't know. I, I just think I think it's an unavoidable thing that sucks. Does that make sense? Oh like, yeah. Like I I wish it would never happen again. But when we're going to be staring down the barrel of Detective Comics one thousand, I think what I just think we're going to be doing this dance all over again. Yep. And unfortunately, um, our our hopes of what was going to be happening in Detective Comics with uh, after Brian Hill, the next writer coming on board is for another short arc. And it's James Robinson, who has literally been like the fill-in of the year. He co- keeps coming into all kinds of different series to like fill in the gaps. It better be Grant Morrison or something at the end of this <laughs> rainbow. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, if we get there and it's some guy I've never heard of, don't take that wrong, insert name of some comic book guy I've never heard of here, right? But 1,000 needs to be Morrison or Johns or, you know what I'm saying? Well, it's going to be a collection. I'm sure it'll end up being just like Action don't Comics do where it'll be don't a collection. Don't do the collection. Just do a story. Like... Sorry. It'd be great if they set it it up into something where it was like, okay, we are now going to put a huge A-list writer on the book, and we are going to put a huge amount of effort into what's happening, and at that point, it'll be like Batman number 75 will be right around the corner or whatever, but the focus, it can turn towards Detective Comics, because honestly, Tom King has been, like, it's, right now it feels like, the, the Batman universe outside of Detective Comics has been the Tom King story. I mean, that's that's how it feels. And that's not necessarily his fault. It's just the way Scott Snyder was when he was on Batman. He basically, he had really a lot of control over what was happening in a lot of the other titles. This time around, Detective Comics, you know, did its own thing, but not, like, completely ignoring everything else that was going on and did its thing... But at the same time, it, it you still see you know you don't see any reference to the other Batman the other Batman title like nobody in Detective Comics was talking about a wedding. You don't see anybody in in Batman talking about the other characters that don't pop up like Tim Drake and Stephanie and Cass and how they're not focused when they show the Bat Family and things like that. So it's just one of those things where it's like I just hope they get to a point where like hey Detective Comics one thousand is coming out. Let's kick off like a huge event or a huge story because like Action Comics with the collection they did, it still was like the launching point for, you know, the Man of Steel miniseries that's happening right now. It was still the launching point for Brian Michael Bendis on Action Comics and, and Superman. So I'm really hoping that they do they do something what that if it's three is jokers? as big. I think that might be putting it off farther than it needs to be. Jeff Unless Johns, Jeff Johns is actually going to come on to Detective Comics, I don't... I G- Give me 15 issues of Jeff Johns on Detective Comics and I'll wait for it. Seriously, I'll wait for it. I'll be fine with it. So our next comment comes from Rejected Stone. I know I am super late. I hope you guys still see my comment. First thing is that it's good to hear that everyone is co- as confused as I am about the goings-on in the Bat universe. I really enjoyed the Superman and Wonder Woman arcs in Batman because I really like seeing our favorite characters interact as humans and friends every once in a while. Then they slapped me with all the booster gold poppycock. Blug. I really, really hope this wedding happens, although the fact that it's happening in the midst of all this time travel universe spendiness has me worried that there is some long game undo button that's coming soon after they say I do, but I maintain hope. Yeah, I... I honestly feel like something like that's happening too, but I, feel like I don't we, know if it's as the time travel point. aspect of it, but I feel like there's definitely something something out there. I'll feel cheated at this point if we don't get it. Only because this would be 
the most build up for the like no i'm not saying i don't think it's going to happen I, I he i think what he's saying is that he's thinking that there's something that's going to happen to basically undo the wedding within a certain amount of time see it, this is going to sound um maybe awful and it's not meant to if they want to undo the wedding per se in the future and i have no doubt that it will happen cuz the character of Batman's gone through a lot of changes over the years, right? And let's face it, a married Batman isn't going to stay forever. I'm not an idiot, right? But when that happens, I want the story of their marriage ending in divorce or separation to happen. Like, you want to make him single again, do it. And by the way, Dustin, I think you're right about this carpet going to be yanked out from underneath us, right? But if you want to have them break up, then that story could be as compelling wrote properly. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. like, so don't waste the opportunity of two people who legitimately love each other that just can't get it to work because all the other stress in their life. Like, that could be such a story for so many people. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. don't waste that opportunity. Please don't. Like, they're not going to stay married forever. I'm not dumb. But just don't rob us with some... Flash, trickster, travel, time travel, or whatever it is, hijinks. Just tell us the story. Agree. And don't forget, um, they're not actually legally going to be married at all. That's true, too. <laughs> I mean, that's probably the stupid carpet, but that dude, that would be uh... some B, some that would be some A level BS. Yeah. I also have hope that the next round of new book announcements has a Batman and Robin-esque book. In my opinion, Tomasi's run was some of the best character work on Bruce and Damien to date, and I'd love someone else to pick up on some of those themes left open. Detective is kind of filling that gap a bit, but has pretty much left Damien out. I agree. I would love to see a Batman and Robin book, but ultimately... And give us three books again. Here's the thing. Ultimately, I I think I'd rather see Tomasi... I mean, we know that Tomasi's going to be do, doing Super Sons. We've seen some of that uh, relationship with Bruce in that book. I don't think that's going to change. I think that's going to be the place where it keeps happening. The one thing that I think is more like... We can live with that, right? Kind of oh, yeah. Like, I, I'm okay like, with that. I mean, like, the thing is, I, if I was going to have Tomasi on a book, Super Sons is, is, is a perfect book for it to happen. I don't have a problem with that, but I would love to see him on Detective Comics doing something in the vein of what Tynan was doing, where it's a bunch of the Bat family characters in the story and not just a Batman detective type story, because it feels like there's a lot of writers who just look at Detective and say, well, it's meant to be, you know, hardcore, gritty, noir, detective type stories. And then there's other ones who look at it a completely different way. And I'm not saying you can't do a detective story. I'm just saying I would like some book, whatever book it may be, to be focusing on, you know, the Bat family as a whole rather than just a singular Batman story all the time. So that that's the that's it. And here's the thing, and I agree with you 100%. Here's the thing that I think is weird about that. It's not your statement, but the way they seem to look at it. You can tell a detective story. With members of the Bat family. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, you can. They are not mutually exclusive. There isn't something that says, well, if it's got members of the family in it, then it can't be a detective story. That's dumb. Especially, like, Tim Drake, like, each one of the Robins has a, a piece of symbolism as something that they are an heir to Batman of. The lineage is Damien. The detective is Tim. The fighting skills is Dick. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
and, and that's on purpose, and that's great, and that's beautiful. But like not having Tim Drake and Batman do a detective story sometimes reeks of carelessness, right? And a detective yeah. comics book, so. Yeah, it's not mutually exclusive, though, guys. You can do both at once. You, it's fine. Detectives should become Batman and the Batgirls and have Black Bat and Batgirl and Oracle. Oh, I'd love or at least an arc with the girls. That'd be awesome. Of course, yeah, that'd be great. A general question for the collective. Does DC have some sort of feedback loop to connect them with fans? I know we can ask them questions at cons, but that never really seems like it's the right venue or that they are really in a position to make changes. I wasn't sure if there are some official avenue to make suggestions. I'm with Dustin on adding the editor's notes, and honestly, I think they'd sell more books if people knew exactly where they could dig up some more background. The other thing I would love is a summary page of the last issue. I try to read so many books and sometimes get behind. It'd be helpful if there was a quick three or four panel that recapped the last issue, especially because the prices keep going up. My thought is... The main reason we still haven't gotten the editor's notes is because it would require DC to have a definite timeline on which things happened and which things didn't. But the yeah, thing is, if you're exactly. referring to it in the story, then obviously you're saying it did, right? Well, but they're not, but they're not narrowing it down on time. Right. And that, the problem is that like a writer could reference a story, but if the editor doesn't, just doesn't choose to like address the fact that it's, referencing the story then i guess dc as a company is not backing the writer's story i mean that's honestly the way i look at it i mean like that's kind of weird though right it is it definitely is i mean it just like here's the thing i already talked about editor's notes i don't want to keep going on with that but the i do want to talk about the summary page because it's something that i was never even aware of um i know that it was brought up before I think Stella, you know, months ago said something about it, and I I didn't understand even where the idea of this came from. And I recently was uh, working with some Marvel Comics, like, single issues, mm. and I noticed that a lot of Sounds the weird. more recent Marvel Comics have, like, a summary page or have, like, a recap page of what's happening. And, like, the thing is, I don't know how often they release it. I don't know if it's every month. Or every two months, or if you know, Marvel comics are played with delays all the time, like DC used to have happen all the time. I, I don't know those details. I just I had a small stack of Marvel books that happened across my desk, and I happened to see that a lot of them had this like first page of the book was always this. Here's you know, here's the characters that are in this book, or like an introduction to like here's the featured characters. Like if it was a team book. Here's a brief thing. And like DC has done it in the past where like they'll, a book will open up. You'll see like this big splash page with all the characters on it. And you'll see the, like the little boxes around their heads saying like who they are and you know, like maybe like their main power or whatever. But like you don't really see that that much anymore ex- unless it's in team books. But I'm not, I think I honestly think that the summary page would be an interesting way to go and not a bad thing to do. I mean, like, obviously, if they did it, it would be a comparison to what Marvel's doing. But quite honestly, with Marvel all Marvel doesn't the... own the copyright and summaries. Exactly, like, exactly. Like... I mean, the thing is, like, I, like, but I could see D- DC hesitating on doing that just because it's something that Marvel does. Because we all know how, you know, if one person, or if one company's doing it, the other company jumps on board and does the same thing everybody's going to say it's because the other company did it first. And the thing is, like, 
You're so Whatever. right, but who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, like, Just do it. I mean, like, honestly, I don't know that it needs to happen in Batman and Detective Comics unless it, like, calls for it. Like, maybe in, like, a big anniversary issue like Batman 50, you can reference, you know, you can give, like, a summary page because it's oversized. But because Detective and Batman are coming out every two weeks, I don't know that those books need it. But sure as heck, the the monthlies could use it. I mean, like, especially with the fact that, like, we're covering two issues of Batman for every one issue of Nightwing now or Batgirl or every other Red Hood. Other comic, I mean, like yeah. all those other books are only coming out once a month and there's a lot happening between the, you know, in between one issue to and the what next about, like, with, because of that. That doesn't even come out monthly. Like Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And I'm thinking like, you know, well, these, these black upcoming, label books are bi-monthly exactly, too, right? Because they're coming up bi-monthly too. And it's like, uh, too much. You, know, you have to, you have to figure out a way to like make it because the problem is that like, if you pay attention to sales numbers, sales drop over time, and it's not just because every time it's not just because you know the writer or the creative team is not doing a good job. It's because you get to a point where it's impossible to get into a story. I mean, like you could pick up trades after the fact, but trades don't get collected as qu- as quickly as the comics are coming out. Like certain trades don't come out until at least three, four months after they finish. So the thing is like, if you wanted to, let's say for example, you wanted to pick up justice league or like, for example, this, just this past week, we had Titan special on the top of it. It said coming out, you know, fallout from no justice. Well, unless you go back and buy no justice, you're not going to know what's happened. You're clueless. So you don't know what's going on. I mean, and, like, part of it is most of the time they do a good job of at least giving you enough information to know what's going on. But, yes, the summary page is something that probably needs to be done right alongside the editor's notes. I mean, like, they really just need to get into the habit of, like, DC as a company not relying on just the writers. And, honestly, maybe Batman does need that because maybe that summary page could be the editor saying, I want to fill in some of the gaps <laughs> that Tom King's leaving out there. But, like... In on a more basic level, and this has always been my argument about digital comics, everything, you want to make it easier for consumers to consume your product, mm-hmm. right? Like, I get a thick stack of comics every month, or I read a lot of uh, DC titles, not just Batman ones. I don't read Marvel comic books like some other weirdo on the show, but I was whatever. Reading them. <laughs> whatever, dude. Right? Like, Whatever. Unless you're reading Shazam, old Shazam, Captain Marvel comics. I don't know what we're talking about here. But think about this. Like, even as a dedicated reader who has read DC Comics monthly for as long as he can remember and takes the time to host a Batman podcast every two weeks, there's even times where I get into something and I'm like, what happened in Wonder Woman last <laughs> month? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, and I consider myself a fairly astute reader, right? Like, you just... It's been a month since you've read a title, and you've read a, probably a lot of other things since then. And a lot of these characters we're seeing in, like, the, you know, like, I don't know why I'm sick on the Wonder Woman part of this, but the, they're, they're in Justice League, and you see them in a Superman story. And so by the time you get back to Wonder Woman issue, you may have seen your three other plays. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, and then especially and when they're ver- different versions of the characters, too. Because that's happened oh, multiple times, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, like, you get back, and you're like... Wait a minute, wasn't Batman... Wait a minute, he was in this thing. Like, like I don't see where this would... Again, it, 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 I find it very hard to believe that a guy sits in a room and someone goes, you know... And it doesn't have to be a summary page. 
sometimes just for this is purely personal and i get where the summary page would be fantastic especially if it had editor's notes in it but even like just like do you remember like the old ones dustin like the old detective comics or batmans like at the top of the page just be like Nearly escaping from Scarecrow's fear toxin in last issue. Like, you know what I'm saying? Well, like, I don't want to go that route. But, but, I, mean, I mean, I see what you're saying. You know I mean, like, like it's, it is. Like, it's, it's one of those it's things not where, that like, difficult. if you end an yeah. issue with the cliffhanger, but the next issue picks up Remind exactly where the was. cliffhanger, I mean, like, I don't want a page of the comic that I'm paying for, meaning, you know, the creative team is creating 20 pages or whatever. They're creating that many pages of, of work, written work and art. I don't want one of those pages wasted on having to recap what happened in the last issue, especially when the issues are as expensive as they are. I mean, like you're just eliminating the amount of story and content that I could get because you're just doing what was in the last issue. But if you put like, honestly, I just think about, think about all those years that we got the DC comics. And in the very back, there was like four pages that had nothing to do with the comic. Yeah. It was like, Here's uh, Channel 52 News, and there's some random like piece of ambush art bug. that has Always nothing to do with bug. it. Yeah, ambush bug, and like, like, you know, the DC Nation uh, stuff that occasionally, like, I, that that you know, that's back there every once in a while, where you see like, here's an announcement, this is coming up, or you know, here's a sneak peek at something. Like, those are cool, but I feel like that stuff's been chopped out now because they actually have the DC Nation magazine. And if that keeps happening, that stuff was probably not going to be back in. But, like, that's just less stuff that's in the book. So the thing is, like, years ago in the 90s and before that, you had the the editor's page where, like, the editors were answering questions from fans. Like, fans would mail in their questions. And this goes back to what he was asking, what what Rejected Stone was asking about when it comes to feedback loop to to connect with DC. There is none. There is literally none. Because you can go to Tweet a convention. At DC Comics. Yeah, you can go to a convention and you can ask them their questions, and they're gonna get like, especially when you ask them a question where it's like, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like a legit question. Sometimes they just stare at you blankly, and everyone just like stare, looks at each other, like, I don't well, know, and, what are we gonna say? We can't lie. really say anything, or they just straight out lie, and like, it is ridiculously annoying. Perfect example of this was years ago at C2E2, there was a Batman panel. This was way long ago because Mike Martz was still the Batman group editor. He was ho- he Mike Martz was moderating the panel, and on the panel was Dustin Wen and a bunch of other artists, and, and there was a couple writers. But I stood up, I talked to Dustin Wen the day before about you know, just different stuff. And I said, to, I asked him at the time, I said, so when do you think we'll see some more, uh, you know, little Gotham? And his response was, well, I don't know. Uh, you know, you'd have to ask DC because, you know, I, I'd love to do more. I work but, for them. Uh, that's, yeah. you know, it's up to them. <laughs> so I got up at the panel and I figured, well, I'll just present this because maybe somebody at DC is actually listening and saying, hey, we somebody wants more little Gotham. So I stood up and I asked my question and Mike Martz looked at me and was like, uh, what's little? Gotham? And then he looked at he looked at Dustin Wen, and Dustin Wen's like, uh, and then Mike Martz is like, well, we may see some more next. And I'm just like, what? Thanks for thanks. Like, <laughs> not even like, oh, well, we appreciate the fact that you're interested in something, or like the person who actually did it didn't even say anything. It was ridiculous. So, like, dude, 
it's one of those things where like you go to a panel nowadays and now there's they they even have less time they even they dedicate you go to san diego and you're lucky if they give five minutes to questions at the very end most of the time they're just rehashing news that they have talked about and released like the week prior it's a press conference yeah. now i mean so i don't believe in trolling people on the internet but i do believe in trolling <laughs> people in real life right so in real life, I have been trolling Ethan Van Skyver for like 12 years, right? So every time – for some reason, it seems like every convention I go to has Ethan Van Skyver. He's like always there, and I like his art. But about 10 years ago, eight years ago, whenever it was, like, you know, he he's had this thing where he was like, we're going to make this atlas of the DC universe, Right. Like, we're going to do this. It's going to be all the maps. You know, where is Gotham City? Like, and every time you ask him about it, like, it's in development. He's been saying that for 12 years. Like, it's never going to happen. And I can, I, under- I can understand that there are projects that, like, you know, creators work on or they have input on that DC just shelves. Because we've seen that. I mean, like, there's been plenty of different projects that have that stuff like that. Orson Scott Cards, Superman just, story. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it just... DC has a tendency, like, if it doesn't fit now, they'll put it on the back burner, and if the back burner gets too late, then they'll end up doing it as, like, a, or like never. a mini-series. How many or times have we had stuff it? revealed that never happened? I mean, like, like okay, here, a perfect <laughs> example. Creature of the Night was revealed, uh, was originally announced back in, like, 2011. 86. Yeah. <laughs> Not 86. <laughs> 2011. Yeah. 2011. And we sat here years and years waiting for the series, the, the and it finally came, and now we've gotten three issues, and the fourth issue is going to take, like, seven months to come out for whatever reason. But Dude, and, like, I'm sorry, but if it's a mini-series, like, if it's an ongoing, I get that an issue's got to come out every two weeks, and sometimes that, you know what I'm saying? But if it's a mini-series, if I'm DC, unless it's, like, Watchmen or something like, even Watchmen, but if it's something that has to happen on a clock... I'm like, your Creature of the Night story, let me know when you get all six issues Exactly, done. and that's the way it should be. And then we'll be. put them out over six And the months. thing is, like, like, it's one of those things where, you know, the fact that it was announced and talked about seven years ago, and it's just it just came out, you know, in, in 2017, the first issue, it, it's like one of those things where it's like, why did it take that long? And now we don't even have all of the issues. The third issue was delayed uh, extra month. The fourth issue has been delayed. And I know that there was a, like John Paul Leon and, and Kurt Busiak made some sort of comment on Twitter about, you know, we really appreciate the fact that you guys want the book. We had some health issues that came up and we couldn't finish when we wanted to. So it's still coming. But the thing is like, why was DC working on a or you know having a book released that didn't have the four issues done i'm sorry but like in this time and age it makes no sense not just to have the story done it doesn't like well, why would you need to change it unless you had to rewrite and redo the entire last issue i don't understand why you announce something six years before it comes out six years later it comes out and then you have to basically delay the last issue for like eight months and there's some artists like what was it Brian Hitch when he did he got Justice League or JLA? Oh yeah. Right? Yeah. When they were like he's going to be writing and drawing it and it, we were both like yeah right that's going to last like 2 months. Like Hitch is a good artist but he's slow. Like I mean, I don't know. It just sometimes the parent company has employees and all of us who manage people understand this. And there's times where your employees tell you something you look and go you're not doing that. You know what I'm saying like and that's what they got to say here is like, or you, so you, we're just going to draw you make it next sure month. you assign them to something that actually works with their skill level. I mean, like, 
it's a known fact that Brian Hitch is slow. Slow. You don't put him on a book that needs to be coming out every month because it's a marquee book like Justice League. What did that last? JLA like three months? Seriously, like it, before it, it was. And then by the time it was funny because by the time Rebirth happened, they still hadn't released the final couple issues. Did they ever was, release them? That, they did eventually, but it was just man, it took forever. And that's anyway. see, look, you talk about it all goes back to making it easier for the consumer, right? Like. If it's been so long that I don't even remember what happened, then you've got to help me out. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that was a very long way right. to say yes. <laughs> yes. 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 So last last uh, paragraph. Hi. Last thing. I just read Doomsday Clock number five this morning. Minor spoiler alert. I've had this feeling since they mentioned the whole Watchmen crossover thing. It's a bit of a hack fake. But I'm thinking Martian Manhunter is involved in this plot somewhere. It's a bit too coincidental to me that we're looking at Manhattan, who last we saw was on Mars, and that both characters' names are John and John. Then when Lex mentioned that the person at the top used to be a member of the JL, I recently yelled out loud, It has to be Martian Manhunter, right? Like I said, definitely half-baked. MM hasn't ever demonstrated any ability to manipulate time or space on the level of Manhattan, but too many other things line up for me. Thoughts? Also, thank you so much for being awesome. Okay, so I've actually. Hey, who's the awesome of... directed at? <laughs> it just says. <laughs> All of us, or one awesome. of us, or. Also, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, it just says. I think it's for everybody. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next so, time. Sorry. Next time, please. Tell us who your praise is going to so we can be angry at each other about it. Thank you. Yes. Wow. Because that's all we need, divisions amongst the ranks. Okay, so I've actually heard this theory before, this Martian Manhunter theory. I've heard this um, one too. Specifically because of the Mars. And and it's not something that's a new thing. Or crazy. It's not crazy either. Here's the thing. I actually thought this was kind of an interesting thought because right around the time that I first heard about this – Scott Snyder had said something on Twitter about how Martian Manhunter was going to be like the chairman of the Justice League. And I thought to myself, huh, not that Martian Manhunter shouldn't be the chairman. I got nothing against that. No problems Mm. with it. What I do have an interesting concern about is the fact that Martian Manhunter hasn't really been utilized a whole lot in the last couple years. Um, I mean, like he's he's appeared here and there. But like for the most part, he hasn't really had a major role until like suddenly here he's here he is. He's going to be in Justice League and he's going to be the person in charge of the Justice League. Okay, whatever. I again, like I said, don't have a problem with it, but it just seems like odd to like take somebody who hasn't had a lot of focus and give him such a prominent role. And I don't know how prominent it's going to be. I mean, time will tell. What you know on whether or not. You know, he, he actually is is running the show when it comes to Justice League or not. But it feels like potentially there's something there with this idea. And maybe the reason why he's at the head of the Justice League right now. And, like, here's the thing. We've never seen Martian Manhunter have anything to do with, uh, you know, dealing with the manipulating time or space. But we don't know that Dr. Manhattan can't manipulate himself into being a... Something else. Mm-hmm. Well, you know I mean, mean, wasn't it like issue two? This and again, funny enough, we're talking about long delays, making me forget two or three of of uh, Doomsday Clock. I'm a sort of watchman that basically insinuated that Manhattan had been here for a while and was hiding as a hero, or hiding as a person. I think we all took it to mean hiding as a hero, right? Remember, there was some like 
insinuation, something with Luther or something. But if he's high, I, I think it. I, I remember some. It was clearly like he's supposed to be a hero. So then now, now you're not talking about that. Now, oh, not only is your theory not crazy, but you're in the ballpark because if it's not Martian Manhunter, he's going to be somebody mm-hmm. else. So. I think he probably is. My wink, wink one I've always thought he is is Captain Adam. Um, just because the power sets are similar. And I think that Johns is such a lover of comic history that it, it was Captain Adam was one of the. Remember, it was. Characters in, that was based off of That he Charlton. was based yeah. for Charlton. Like, you can't you see Johns doing that as a wink, wink? Like, yeah, I could. I mean, not that the Manhunter was bad. I mean, I think the fact that he is on Mars, I don't think he'll end up being. Dr. Manhattan, I think that he may share a friendship with John. Does that make sense? You know, like, I think I'd see them being friends. They're both kind of outsiders. The last one, the only slash last one of their kind. Um, I could see them having more of a friendship. And I just, I can't see John's passing up the way he likes to play with Dustin's favorite <laughs> word, history, right? The way John's does these deep dives into comic book history. Like, remember what he did with the old uh, Justice Society stuff? You know, like, this guy's a deep dive guy, and I can't see him passing up the opportunity to relink these characters with their original, you know, mythos. I just can't. But that's my thought. But it's great. You don't think Manhattan's lost too much of his humanity to be someone like John? Because it almost seems like Martian Manhunter is human. too human, yeah. and yeah, Manhattan true. is pretty much forgotten what it's like. Yeah, but I guess the the way around that would be just be like, you know, he is. Rewrote his personality to get high. <laughs> exactly. blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I mean, that's it's the comics. easiest way around it. But yeah, okay. But no, I think it's a valid point because I think I think that's the one, that's the great. You know, how many times have we heard that story about Martian Manhunter? Not that it's a bad story, but that, like Steph said, although he's Martian, he's more human than the rest <laughs> of us. Like I mean, like that we hear that all the time, and it's not inaccurate. So yeah, yes. So as we. Uh, get towards the end of this podcast we have yet to get through all of these comments and we're not going to be able to and we're also not going to be able to get through all of the we're not going to be able to get through the monkey watch this episode no, either. no monkey watch i know we had a great one planned too you never it's gonna be the best <laughs> monkey watch either ever you're never gonna yeah, hear it you'll never hear it yeah i will say this so the last we have we have one more comment that i i just don't feel like we're gonna have enough time to talk about and then zach has a comment from episode 248 and 249 that are rather long and dive more into uh, Tom King and his writing style. And we probably need to talk about those together as well. So because 249 didn't have that many comments, and I don't plan on reading the comments from 250, if this one doesn't have a ton of comments, we should be able to get caught up and actually have Monkey Watch on the next episode. But then I say that and I'm thinking we'll, to myself, right, no, because no, we've got the yeah. wedding and I already said we're going to cover that. So, But, you know, there is a possibility, a uh, little inside baseball here, that we won't cover the wedding, though. There's, there's, because what if what they if don't have preview out? <laughs> no, no, no. What if they don't put fifty preview? Yeah, that's true. And then we won't be able because sometimes anyway. they yank them. They sometimes they yank those suckers back. Yeah, or they hold them back until like the they day before them. or whatever. Yeah. Well, so. we'll see. We have a couple of options here. Option number one: next episode, you hear Alcoholism. us talk about the wedding. Option two: we don't talk about the wedding, uh, but we have plenty of time to do monkey watch and the rest of the comments. So there's that. That is all we're going to do this episode. I apologize again for not getting to all the comments, but I think, I mean, we did spend almost an hour talking about some of these comments and diving into some of them, so I appreciate... And in fairness... Go ahead. You know, I did keep the Batman 
conversation to a minimum he did when i did he the did. book so it was only a couple <laughs> minutes so i mean like yeah we, we definitely tried to make sure that we had enough time it's just obviously you guys got some really great questions that you guys are awesome you want you us to us discuss cool questions. you've got some great discussion yeah. points when it comes to your guys's questions so with that that is everything for this episode. I want to remind you to head over to the website for all the latest news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos from the Batman universe. Leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. Check out all the other podcasts that we have to offer. There's a ton of podcasts that we offer on the Batman universe for you guys to check out, so definitely do that. On top of that, leave us your comments for the next episode, and I promise you we will. We will do our best to get through as many of them as we can. We're just going to keep, we're not going to, we're not just going to, we're just, I'm not going to skip them. I'm not. I'm just going to keep, you know, pile them on to the future episodes until we cover them all because all these comments are really great and I don't want to skip any comments. And we appreciate them. Genuinely, all kidding aside, we greatly appreciate those of you who comment. Yes. All right. So with that, that is everything for this episode. This is Dustin. This is Ed. (laughs) This is Steph. You've been listening to the Batman vs. Comic Podcast. See you guys in two weeks.